0: Privia podcast. I'm Nate Regolia, and each week, we uh, try to stave off the uh, creeping claws of madness as they <laughs> reach out from the beyond and try to rest their uh, grip around our throats to make us uh, <laughs> crazy as we're stuck inside and not able to, like, hang out and do stuff. <laughs> With me, as always, is Shannon Page.
1: Shannon! As always, even in a quarantine
0: even in a quarantine. Um, yeah, especially after our, our quarantine crazies episode that we recorded last for last time. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> that's what I decided
0: to title it. Uh, so so yeah. Um, yeah, how you doing? How are things?
1: Good, good. Same old, same old. Uh, I saw that there was a uh, new Tiger King episode released last night. I got about halfway through it before I went to bed. Yeah,
0: we we gave that a watch the other day, and uh, yeah, we, we could we could talk about that. We'll do a little recap, uh, uh, maybe next next episode.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe next episode. I'll say I'm not through it yet. Just yeah. sp- filling you in on how I've been spending my time. <laughs> Netflix <laughs> is about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Netflix is is there for us. Um, yeah, the only other thing I'm really doing, I'm playing a, a video game called The Outer Worlds. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. But it's, uh, it's made by one of the uh, studios that made some of the Fallout games, not the, not the mainline ones, but like uh, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, it's a fun game because it takes place in space, and I like space. But it also, uh, at least the early part of the game, is about a, a capitalist worker colony that is experiencing a plague Where uh, no one's allowed to be cured unless they're a good worker. So, and they basically uh, are saying like, "Hey, if you got sick, it's because you're lazy." Ooh! So that's been fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When did that come out? (laughs) Um, It was like
0: it was like last last fall. It's been out for a while.
1: Is it like you only get tested if you're a celebrity? Is that is that part of the game? I mean,
0: uh, effectively so. Yeah, one of the missions was an opportunity to go get some medicine and then try to make sure it was distributed among people or just handed over to one dude. Um so it's it's wild. It's uh it's fun how many parallels there are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, otherwise I I don't know. What do we we watched some sort of uh uh Taken baby taken show that was on Hulu um, about a doctor in Georgia who was just like giving up women's babies for adoption all over the country.
2: Ooh, Uh,
1: maybe that should become one we talk about.
0: It was only it was only two episodes long, so there wasn't a whole lot to it. But um, yeah, I mean, we could if you wanted to check that out. Um, I'll
1: check that out. I'll check that out. That reminds me of the a Netflix show I watched about a neighbor who kept kidnapping the same kid over and over again.
0: Oh yeah, take is that taken in plain sight or something like that?
1: Something like that, yeah. I can't remember the exact name of it, but that is another crazy pants documentary.
0: Yeah, that's the one where like the dad like jerks the guy off, right? Because he just asks him to.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, he's like, "Oh, I kidnapped your kid, but you can't, you can't tell the cops, or else I'm going to tell everybody you're gay." And he's like, "Okay."
2: I, I can't let that happen.
1: Really? That's your choice as a father? That you're, you'd you rather have your, your daughter be kidnapped than people find out that you like men?
0: <laughs> well, and they're like...
2: Anyway. <laughs> well, it,
0: it's, it's kind of a... And, it, and it's sort of a Joe Exotic situation because I don't think he likes men. I just think, like, this person is so charismatic somehow because he slept with the mom, too, right? Like, right.
1: The mom was, like, in love with him. That's, yeah. Yeah, they were both... Both the mom and the dad were sleeping with him and he was only sleeping with them to get to the daughter. Super yeah. creepy.
0: And he was going full pedo on the, on the daughter, which is not cool. It was real, ugh. real weird. Real weird. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, this week we're going to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a show that both of us uh, uh, really, really loved in its in its day. I mean...
1: Well, let's talk about something that's not... Ugh. Let's talk about something that's... Uh. ah
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> Nothing's more ah uh, than fighting against... Uh, uh, an unclosable hellmouth full of demons and forces <laughs> of the darkness
1: Buffy the vampire slayer so how old were you when buffy the vampire slayer came out
0: it it started in 97 right so i would have yep. been 16 when it came out and i remember i did not watch season 1 when it aired i caught i like got into it midway through season 2 when it was on the wb i think is the network name it was at the time um and i watched like, I was just so captivated by the show. Uh, I think, I, like, the first episode I might have seen was one of the two-parter where Angel loses his soul uh, or passion, I, I think. Um, but I was pretty much, I was just kind of hooked. It was like, this is really smart and fun. And it's also, like, all these, you know, I mean, they're all, like, 30-somethings. But these teenagers are really, like, interesting people. Uh, so I got, I got way into it, uh, arguably too into it because then I started recording every single episode when they were on TV and hitting <laughs> on the VCR on commercial breaks and things like that. Um, cause this was pre DVDs at that point, or at least pre DVD box sets for this show. And, uh, and I recorded every episode all the way up through, God, it was through sophomore year of college that I was the last season that I bothered with because I think the show ran through my junior year. I think season seven was like 2003 um, or maybe it was 2004 either. And I didn't watch a whole lot of, like, I kind of watched season seven, but I was kind of checked out. So I was sort of in and out on that season. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a big deal for me. I don't, I I don't even know why. Like I had a lot of very complicated emotions (laughs) tied up with that television show.
1: Well, that's because it it did a really great job of kind of hitting all of the standard growing pain points of being a regular teenager, but doing it as a metaphor for vampires and ghosts and goblins, so that you could uh, you could be entertained but also feel like you related to it in a way.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, instead of being uh, covered with gross pimples, you're a Frankenstein, and it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, how how did you get into the show? Like, did you just start watching it because you liked the movie?
1: I was a big fan of the movie. I worked in a video store in high school when the movie came out, and I really enjoyed the silliness of it, and... Then when the TV show came out, I was kind of pissed off at it. Cause I was like, you can't make a TV show off of this awesome movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and I watched the first episode and I was like, nah, that'll never go anywhere. And then a friend of mine, a couple weeks later was like, no, it's really good. You should, you should watch it. So I think I, I missed a couple episodes, but then I got back into it and I was like, Oh, this, this is good. I like this. And then I did my junior year abroad. So I missed an entire season. Oh, wow. Um, And it wasn't it wasn't like it is now where there there were TV shows that spanned countries like the where I was didn't have Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So when I came back, I had to like catch up. And like you said, there weren't it wasn't like I could watch it on Netflix or Hulu. And I don't even think there really were DVD box sets. I think I had to like borrow from people that were recording it and um, eventually got caught up. And then from that point on was appointment tv like every every time it was on i was in front of it to watch it
0: oh my god yeah i mean
1: that yeah i remember bawling my eyes out at the end of season five and and that was that was when it was switching from the cw to the wb and nobody knew if it was going to come back and i was like it was like a friend of mine died i was like this is ridiculous that i am this invested (laughs)
2: <laughs> In okay, a TV so, show, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna
0: put it out there now because the gift is number five on my top five. <laughs> that episode, and, and and here's the thing, because you're you're saying you bawled your eyes out. Like I didn't cry, but I so it the episode came on and like it was it was the summertime, I think, for some reason, because I was working, or maybe it was just because it was like I think it was post freshman year of college or something so I was back home working with my dad I was working with my dad doing plumbing and heating stuff during the summer and I watched that episode and it took me one week where I was not just emotionally distracted and sad like I was really devastated um and it was it was very weird because I was I was uh, sort of I mean like you said part of the confusion was well hey is the show going to come back or did she just die and that's the end of the show like the we the should
1: probably—it's a little late now—but we probably should say spoiler alert. <laughs> this yeah. whole show will be a spoiler alert if you haven't watched Buffy yet. Spoilers <laughs> for
0: the for the fifteen-year-old uh, show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, yeah, but I mean, I—I I, yeah, that I mean that episode really, really uh, shook me for a while, and it was interesting because I mean, I even remember like my dad being like, "What's going on with you? Because you're you're distracted." And I was like, <laughs> I just feel sad about this show and, and, it, and I really did. Um, cause it's just like, so we should
1: probably, we should probably set up. So Nate's challenge for the week was that we were both supposed to pick our top five Buffy episodes. Yes. So when you so, said that this is number five, that's what you mean. That this yeah, is- so this is number five
0: on my list of top five, the gift, which is the final episode of season five, uh, which was a controversial season, I think for most, for most fans. Um, though pretty much everything after like season three gets progressively more controversial with time. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, so, so we, we put together a list. I mean, I, I had a hard time whittling it down. I was really happy to hear you say that you had like 18 or something in total and you whittled it down by something, you know, around. So I kind of, I want to make sure we run through all of our lists and then even just like talk about other episodes that really, that were really fun and mattered. Um, Cause there are quite a few that really connected with me, and some of them really connected me with when I was a teenager, and don't quite connect with me anymore. And I think that's sort of a testament to the to the efficacy of of the program uh, in reaching you know people in a certain phase of life, like you said.
1: Well, I ended up yeah with eighteen, I think, top episodes, and that's not even counting like those were just the ones that I. I was looking through IMDB and I was like, Oh yeah, I got to include this one. I got to include this one. I got to include this one. So that's not even including the ones where there's like a moment that I remember. And it's one of my favorite moments, but I couldn't remember what episode it was in. So there's a bunch of like things that I would love to include, but I didn't necessarily know where, where or when they happened. So those aren't included in my, in my list. So i narrowed, I couldn't figure out how to narrow down my top 18. I picked, um, of my 18 because they kind of seemed like a good group that all go together with a theme um i can't decide if i'm gonna tell you the theme or see if you can guess the theme
0: i think you should let you should have me guess the theme that sounds fun Okay.
1: It's it's actually pretty obvious, but yeah, we'll wait. We'll let you guess the theme. <laughs> All of the
0: episodes have spike in them because you love Spike.
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> is that true? That might be true. <laughs> I mean, I assume
0: that's why your hair is blonde, is because you like Spike so much.
1: I was pre- I was blonde before before Buffy. But <laughs> but man, yeah, I do love me some Spike.
0: That's the uh, that's like a fun band name, Blonde Before Buffy.
1: I <laughs> would. I call it. I call dibs on that. <laughs>
0: you, yeah, you can. I I have uh, the one of the other. We were we're watching another true crime thing, and uh, and they were talking about he was talking about his sister Judy, and he said, "Oh, Ju- uh, they sent Judy to juvie," <laughs> and so I was like, "I'm gonna try," and and no one can hold me to this because how could they? But I'm gonna try to write like a three song EP called Judy to <laughs> Juvie while we're under quarantine
2: <laughs> and see if I can put
0: anything together. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so you make blonde before Buffy and I'll make Judy to Juvie. We'll all right. Just, all just right. Fun, deal. Nerdy, computer driven indie rock. Uh, so yeah,
2: <laughs> how,
0: how do you, you want to do this? Do you want to s- just start with our fives and then we can do our honorable mentions and other stuff after that? Like go five um, to one and we'll alternate.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe alternate. I, mine, uh, I didn't, I didn't list mine in um, favorites order, so I was going to do mine in chronological order. Okay. Um, But yeah, let's, let's alternate, and you can start, we can, we can dive back into your number five, since we've already started on it. We can talk a little bit more about The Gift.
0: Yeah, great. So, yeah, The Gift is, is, um, so season five's arc is all about glory. Uh, Well, not entirely all about glory, but it's, it's about glory is the big bad. She's this. evil goddess uh, that's very preening and, and uh, she, she's, she's interesting because she's the first time that you get like a really super capable female villain on the show, which I think is, is great.
1: And um, that's one of my moments, I didn't put it as an episode, but one of my moments is when uh, Buffy is like, you need me to the council. She's like, you need me, so I'm not gonna jump through any more hoops what do you know about Glory? And mm-hmm. they're like, she's a god. And Buffy just goes, oh, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. I just love that. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> it is, it's like every other villain up until this point has been, um, the mayor, uh, a a powerful vampire. Um,
0: yeah. The, uh, the, the, the it, well, Adam and the initiative were kind oh, of. Oh yeah. Um, but the that was, was, science, I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: And then all of a sudden you get to season five and it's a god and a super awesome, girly, silly, powerful woman god. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she, and, and, cause Glory's, Glory's fun because you've got a lot of like really ugly, sniveling, like uh, sidekick characters who are always just like bringing her stuff and blessing her. And she's, you know, she's an interesting, she's an interesting character. Um, especially because of the, the other arc of that season, which is Dawn and the existence of Dawn, the purpose of Dawn and, you know, how Dawn motivates what the gift is, right? Which is, um, one of these, uh, Summer's women has to die to close up this portal that, uh, Glory is opening that will basically, I think it's like a hovering hell mouth, basically. It's just like another way that all evil can take over. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the gift is like an ultimate sacrifice episode and it's an episode where her friends can't do anything to help her for the first time in a real legitimate way, uh, which, you know, with the show being so much a family to me in a way, there's the, the same way that I consume podcasts now where it's, it's an enjoyable time to spend an hour and a half with people. I think, I mean, people I don't know, but people who feel like they're familiar to me that's what watching buffy was was being around pals <laughs> and so <laughs> and so the the gift is is an especially powerful episode because it, it involves buffy's own personal sacrifice but also the just how crushing it is to all of her friends to to actually finally lose her in in the real sense because you know she's died like twice before this but only for only in the course of the middle act of an episode uh, and then- this was
1: actually no, this was uh the first time.
0: Oh this was the she first- says
1: she's died twice. This is the, the, the gift is the second time.
0: Oh, okay, because the first time was end of season one.
1: When yeah, the- when the she temporarily her- drowned. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So yeah, so that's my number five, the gift, the final I like
1: no, that's five. I think that's on my list of, of eighteen. Um, yeah, that's on my list of 18. It's just so powerful. And so it's just so destruct- destructive, you know, yeah. to my soul watching this. Um, and I love again, you're gonna make fun of me, but the the Spike Buffy dynamic in this episode, where She knows that he's the one that will protect Dawn um, and that, you know, she's got all these great friends that she's relied on the entire time. But Spike is the one that she entrusts her most valuable thing to, which is just kind of this kind of beautiful moment between them.
0: Yeah. Well, in there and throughout season five, they're boning. Right. And it's.
1: No, no, at this point, they hadn't.
0: That's next season. Okay. Yeah, I, I they know, don't start until
1: like, afterwards. So at this point, at this point, he's doing all this just because he loves her, and she knows that she can,
2: you know, trust
1: him because of that. But there hasn't been any any thing between them at this point.
0: Yeah, there was there was a really nice arc through the through the season of Spike's paternal nature toward Dawn too, because between him and Xander, sort of both kind of being big brothers slash dad slash Xander being weird about it a little bit, being Xander. Uh, You know, it was, it was, yeah, it was an interesting, that was a really good growth arc for for Spike that season. Um,
2: So, yeah. And this
1: episode also sets us up with the Xander-Anya engagement.
2: Oh, that's right.
1: is the first time, I mean, I think he has this whole speech about how everybody thinks that she's just a temporary amusement, but he really loves her. And he's going to prove that by, you know, getting married to her. Or maybe I'm confusing that moment with another one, but still he, he proposes to her in this one, which sets up a ton of stuff for the next couple of seasons. Between yeah. The two of them. Oh, right,
0: yeah, There is, I mean, their yeah, their relationship arc is, uh, complex and tragic in a lot of ways. Oh Aww. man. um, so what's what's your number 5?
1: All right. So again, I'm just going in in chronological order Okay. because this might be my number 1 if I were to try and order them, but it was the earliest one, so I'm going to I'm going to do it now. It's uh an episode called The Zeppo.
0: Okay. And yeah. That's on it, my list it, also. Is, is it really? It is. <laughs> yeah. The Zeppo so was lovely. my number 2. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We both tried to go for once, so the other one wouldn't pick, and we ended up overlapping anyway. That's great. Right. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know uh, episodes by their titles, which includes me, if I hadn't been researching it ahead of time, the, the Zeppo was an episode in season three where you follow Xander around for the whole episode, and he gets involved with these like, half-dead zombie guys that are that are trying to blow up the school and xander has to figure out how to deal with this on his own because there's another apocalyptic uh
2: disaster the happening in the background I mean, yeah. is that
1: what it is i don't even remember yeah yeah, yeah the hellmouth is very serious is happening in the background the mm-hmm. entire time <laughs> and i love it because not only do you get to see from you know, from Xander's point of view, I think this is one of the first times you're not following Buffy, but it was also the first time that the writers really addressed how silly and melodramatic the show is sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Xander, like, is just kind of this like bumbling guy. And like at one point he walks in on Buffy and Angel having like this really serious melodramatic conversation about their relationship and what's gonna happen when the hell mouth opens and who's gonna sacrifice their life. I can't watch again. Like, it was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just like uh hey guys what's uh what's going on
2: <laughs> anything i can help but i love
1: the how it undercuts like all this like it's it's like the writers finally being like yeah maybe we're making this show a little too serious so we're gonna get back to the funny
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I, that this episode meant a lot to me um i mean i really you know for for xander's faults like i identified with him a lot throughout the show and I loved this episode because you know it's it's post him and Cordelia breaking up because because he and Willow cheated. Totally reasonable. But he's basically like at his most down and feeling least useful and totally purposeless, hence the episode title being the the Marx brother that no one ever talks about.
2: (laughs) Um, But but
0: yeah, but it's just it's great because we follow him while this Huge storyline is going on in the background, and I honestly like I I love that conceit in any sort of show like this, where they say, "Hey, um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, the Enterprise is fighting the Romulans, but we're going to spend the whole episode following uh, Data trapped in a in a hamster ball, right, or whatever, like some stupid <laughs> thing." But it's but it's the idea that hey, the the story isn't always the action sometimes it's these close things and yeah i love i love the zeppo that that it was it's my number two on my list um because you get xander gets all this growth xander gets to be a real badass at the end i still love when he says i like the quiet you know Uh, he's he's, (laughs) he's facing off so so basically there's this tough guy named jack who's like a bully who uh, xander ends up getting his weird uncle's like 57 Chevy convertible and he's driving this car around. He's trying to have a thing. He's worried about what his thing is. And, uh, and yeah, so he's got this fancy car and he ends up bumping into another car while he's leaving the, uh, the bronze. And turns out this Jack guy's in that car, but he's just trying to steal the car. But Jack basically is like, okay, you're in my gang now. And then to be in the gang, it turns out you have to be dead. And there's a whole thing. Uh, I mean, this episode's just, Top to bottom, memorable stuff, and it's and it's really powerful for the rest of that season too because he sleeps with Faith in this episode, which leads to one of my one of the hardest moments, which is watching Willow cry over that. Um, several episodes later. So yeah, oh,
1: yeah, oh yeah, and I, I I like that you get to see the relationships between the Scooby Gang without Buffy. Like, yeah. uh, I I love. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show. Buffy might not be my favorite character though. And I I think that's because they did a really good job of making everybody else these well formed characters and they have their own relationships despite her or not despite her, but you know, in addition to their, it's it's not just following around one character. And that does happen a lot when you have a show that spans multiple seasons because it usually starts on one person. And then, you know, like the office starts with like three main characters and by the end of it, you know who everybody in the office is. But this was the really the first time we got to kind of do that with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and see, see Xander out on his own and all the relationships he has with everybody when he's, when he's not fighting monsters as part of the Scooby gang. Yeah, and yeah. I know I know Xander has in recent years been seen as this problematic character, but I'm with you. I I always really liked Xander. I obviously that's my dog's name, and he keeps looking at me while we're talking about this. He's like, what? He's <laughs> bringing my
0: name up. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. To 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 address that, it's it's like, yes, he's not. He's he's a '90s guy, so he says things that were. I mean, he says chandlery from friends sort of stuff, right? Like,
1: I mean, he was, yeah, I mean, he was shitty. But I mean, at the time, he was not shitty in a way that people recognize as being shitty. He was just yeah. kind of like every guy I went to high school with.
0: Yeah, he's just kind of like he's a crass, smart ass who's sort of emotionally unavailable. So he makes jokes. And then when he is emotionally available, he's sometimes uh, overly selfish, which I mean, uh, that's a fairly honest depiction. of of a young man (laughs) of a teenage
1: boy yeah yeah, yeah. um
0: but yeah I mean I yeah I just I love I love that I love that episode I love him facing off I love the uh I love the the line right before the credits too where you know um they're sitting at the picnic table and all talking about like how how can we go back to life as normal after seeing what we saw and Xander kind of comes over and he's like hey do you guys want anything for the vending machines
2: and Oz (laughs) says
0: Oz says something like you know, I'm strangely full today. And that's because Oz had just eaten the bad guy in, in Werewolf
1: form. <laughs> Oz is werewolf. And Xander was the only one that knew. <laughs>
0: yeah. And Xander's the only one that knew. So it's uh, it's it just just great stuff. Um I awesome.
1: love I love that that's your number two because if I if I did have to order my eighteen, the Zeppo would definitely be like like when you said top five episodes, the Zeppo came to my mind as like one of them. So oh, yeah. I love yeah. that it's your number two.
0: Yeah, it's it's so good. Um, okay, well, I'll do my, my number four is an episode from season six called Tabula Rasa.
1: Oh, uh, that's on my 18, but not in my five. I love that is, episode though.
0: This is, uh, now does Dawn cast the spell or no, Willow does, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Willow casts the spell, Casts a spell to try to get Tara to forget. That- no,
1: Tara cast the spell.
0: Oh, Tara cast the spell. To make Willow...
1: No, 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 no. you're right. Willow casts a spell to get Tara to forget, yes.
0: Okay, yeah, because Willow and Tara have just gone through kind of a a heavy, almost breakup moment, and so, yeah, so Willow's trying to get Tara back, and she casts a spell to make Tara forget, but guess what? It makes everybody forget everything. And And that's
1: one of those moments where it's magic as a metaphor for life, because basically, Willow is addicted to doing magic, and Tara's like, you've got to stop because you're an addict. And Willow cast a spell to make Tara forget that she's an addict. And um, uh, like most addicts would probably love to do to their loved ones. But in this case, <laughs> it did work temporarily. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and so we get what is effectively like a bottle episode. They're all trapped in the magic shop. And they're all just trying to figure out who each other are. Because everybody is together. <laughs> and they all have forgotten their names and everything else. Um, so they pair off in weird ways. I think Xander and Willow pair off, like thinking that they're romantically involved because they can sense that they have a, a connection. Uh,
1: Willow has on Xander's jacket because he had given oh. it to her earlier because she was cold. That's she right. He's like, hey, wear my jacket. But when they discover that she's wearing his jacket, they're like, oh, that must mean we're a
2: couple. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which I just, I mean, there, there's an episode of of uh, of, TN, of Star Trek The Next Generation that is very similar where like, Aliens erase everybody's memory. Data's the only one who knows what's gone on. And so the crew is trying to figure out who they are. And Worf just assumes that because he has his, like, Klingon ornamental sash, that he's the most decorated, therefore he must be in charge. And they're just, I love that. I remember that, yes. Yeah, I just love those <laughs> suppositions. It's fun, and it's it's fun because, like, from from a viewer standpoint, even just from a writing exercise standpoint, like, if you take your characters and you know them well enough that you can figure out how they would react if they forgot who they were, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so
2: that's
1: that's why. Yeah, I Spike that. and Giles think that they're related because they both have English accents. Yeah, <laughs> and Anya and Giles think that they're together because they own the magic shop together. And my favorite, my favorite moment. In the entire episode, I think is when Don is yelling at Xander to get him to get his attention, and she yells out Alex.
2: Oh yeah!
1: Because his name is Alexander, but they call him Xander, but nobody knows that. They just think his name
0: is Alexander. Yeah, they just look at his ID. So she's trying to
1: get his attention. She goes Alex, and he turns, and I'm like, that is amazing. (laughs) I also love the bad guy, in the, so there is a bad guy in this episode, and it's, um, it's a literal uh, shark, because he's a, he, what is he, Is a lone shark, <laughs> but he's oh, a literal yeah. shark.
2: That's right.
1: <laughs> Which is also like the Buffy Riders just being like, yeah, remember, we're not that serious.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, I mean, and that's, I think why I like this, this episode stands out for me too, because season six is so not my favorite season for a lot of reasons. Like, it really is only good in the last couple of episodes because of the, the turn Willow makes. Um, but otherwise, it's kind of annoying. It's like we're just dealing with Jonathan and, and Andrew and whoever, the ed- Warren, like those three guys who are just being super douches, and that's the whole point. And it just seems sort of wasteful. Uh, so having an episode yeah. that was really fun and light and kind of recaptured the sense of, of the show as what it was supposed to be, was 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 wonderful.
1: So I actually liked the trio because yeah. I thought that it was interesting to have a bad, you know, a villain, a seasoned villain arc where it was just normal people being douchebags, and yeah. it really, I mean, it really talked to like the the like subtle misogyny that that women do have to deal with every day, but in this case, they took it to extreme levels and made it like a super arky bad guy but again it's a a lot of a lot of the stuff they did to her were metaphors for things that as a woman happen to you on a regular basis like making it feel like you're invisible
2: um dealing with guys like a whole unrealistic women of
1: women yeah Yeah. like uh, like every everything she experienced that that season might not have been the most inner entertaining um to watch compared to like a glory vi- fight or a, a mare fight but you could relate to it on a really like depressing way like I will say that entire season I loved it but I was I was Depressed the whole time. Like yeah, that was a depressing season. <laughs> and maybe that's
0: and maybe that's more my reaction. What I sh- I really should rewatch it because like uh, seasons five, six, and seven I have never rewatched, and I've rewatched one through four at least four times each, if not more. <laughs> um, so I should probably go yeah. back and watch it because part of I mean part of my reaction was that I was so I was so like. Uh, just generally speaking, I really—it makes my skin crawl when situations just have really horrible people who don't get any comeuppance. And I just felt like I was watching Warren the awful over and over and over again.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: and and it just—and he's
1: not—and he's not a—he's not a supernatural being. He's just yeah, a dick. He has, he, and
0: because he has—he has really validly no reason to be upset. The only reason he's upset is because Buffy told his girlfriend, his live girlfriend, about his robot girlfriend and they and got him broken up with. And he's yeah. holding this absurd, like doucheboy grudge about it. And it mm-hmm. just it just made me so mad the whole time. I was like, Fuck it, just break his neck. And it, I mean, you know, and yeah. she can't because she's a bigger person. But that's yeah, but that was that was yeah, my and I
1: mean I can I can really I mean I have had multiple situations in my real life where I did nothing but speak the truth in a sense in a situation where the truth needed to be spoken Mm -hmm. and got held accountable for the almost got held accountable for the action of what I was saying, you know, like, like Buffy Buffy revealed that he had a robot girlfriend and she got held accountable for exposing that secret but it was his fucking secret and like that's yeah. that's that's actually happened that's something that's happened to me like I've exposed somebody's secret and gotten in trouble with that person and I'm like well dude that's you know maybe yep. you shouldn't have spiked somebody's drink like maybe that's your you're on you and I shouldn't be blamed for telling people that you did that thing so
0: yeah, no, for real. And, and and that and you make a really good point about that whole season. I'm actually I really I think what I'm going to do is try to rewatch it while we're under quarantine because I would like to rewatch it through uh you know, through a more contemporary veil because I, I remember a lot of those moments and and yeah. Um so that that so Tabula Rasa was my number 4.
1: But, but yeah, this was this was definitely a light in a really dark season. Yeah it was really funny it was really great to see how the scooby gang define themselves with no memory of who they were yeah i this was definitely this this was also one of if i had just gone for a straight top 5 i probably would have had this too
0: <laughs> yeah i mean and and, and and the thing that that makes it so refreshing i think is because seasons 5 and 6 i mean 4 is where it starts but 5 and 6 are where everybody starts separating further and further and season six is where we really are like, all of every single member of the Scooby gang are living separate lives and they're all conflicted as to whether they even connect with each other anymore. And so Tabula Rasa was this like, everybody's in the room together. Everybody's being in this one episode. And it, and it was nice to be back there because that was one of the things that was so security blanket, I guess, about seasons one, two, and three was, well, this is the crew. The crew yeah. rolls together and we're, and we're good. Like it felt, it felt stable and, and secure. So that was nice. Um, okay. What's your, what's your number four, Shannon?
1: All right. Are we, God, are we even going to be able to get through all these? We're taking so long. Maybe we should keep, keep a recording and you can split this into two episodes if it gets too long.
0: Yeah, if we have to, we can do that. <laughs> I don't mind okay. releasing a longer episode too. That's okay.
1: all right my next one again in chronological order so this one is from season four
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm gonna bet that this one isn't on your list Um, and if I was just straight up picking top five um, it wouldn't be in my top top five but it's in my top five for this theme that you've got to guess okay it's an episode called superstar
0: okay yep yep Jonathan uh, uh,
1: yeah Starts with a different set of credits Mm -hmm. and i'm such a sucker for that and you've you've got to figure out why jonathan is all of a sudden uh in the credits as much as he is and then the first couple of minutes they they keep talking about things that buffy have done has done but instead of giving the credit to buffy they're giving it to jonathan and then the entire episode is about how awesome Jonathan is. And about three fourths of the way through, you figure out that he has cast a spell Mm -hmm. on Sunnydale to make them think that he's awesome. But I, I love this like change of, of, um, point of view that, that all of a sudden, not only is Sunnydale got a, got a, a spell cast on them, but we as the audience do too. Like, we are also supposed to believe this world where Jonathan... Like, the, the fact that the credits are different, like, we're... Like, the credits being different is, like, Jonathan also cast the spell on you. And you've oh, got to, yeah. like, buy into this now. And I yeah. thought that was hilarious.
0: That is a, that is a wonderful choice. I, it, it was not on my list, but I love that episode so much. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's the credits thing. Uh, the, the sequences where, you know, uh, Jonathan's book... Is published and everywhere on tables, uh, stacked up, and people are getting, you know, people are getting autographs from him. He's 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 a level of famous that's well beyond what Buffy ever becomes because Buffy's doing everything on the down low, and so oh, yeah, Jonathan yeah. is allowed to be like Jonathan's basically Batman without a mask. He's Jonathan, just sort of- yeah,
1: he's like that. starring in movies and <laughs> making television appearances. He's Iron Man.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is, he is. Um, And, you know, and he later goes on to write Empire, among other things. (laughs) I think Lee Daniels, the butler. I think he's also a writer on that. Uh, But Buffy
1: Buffy is like his sidekick in this world.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, oh, man. And And this
1: is the character. This is the other thing I love, though, is that this is not, this is not a new character in the Buffyverse. This is a character that we've seen over and over again. And he's always kind of been the sad sack, like, Mm -hmm guy at high school um in the episode where buffy could hear thoughts like she was worried that he was gonna kill himself like he's been in classes with willow like we've seen this guy and he gave
0: her the protection umbrella at the-
1: oh and he gave he gave buffy the protection umbrella at prom which is yeah. like another bawling my eyes out moment but but this is this is fleshing him out. Like this is a character that, that we've only gotten glimpses of before. And now we kind of get to see him as a character. And later he becomes part of the trio. And he's mad because Buffy broke the spell, but he's not as mad as Warren, which is why he's kind of one of the redeemable trio. But um, I mean,
0: Jonathan's arc is weird because at the end of superstar, he sort of is like, Hey, I didn't want anybody to get hurt.
1: Yeah, he, he oh gives God. a spell to protect people. So he's, he's a, a good guy. Yeah, but
0: then two seasons later, he's like, hey, you broke my spell, so that's why I'm mad at you. Which Well,
1: I love, I love there's a, a flashback moment where basically Jonathan, Andrew, and Warren are hanging out, and Warren's like, hey, you guys want to form a supervillain trio? And they're all like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah, I don't yeah. think Jonathan like, ever really kind of knew what he was getting into. <laughs> like he, I think no, he well, was, that's
0: true. He Warren was, was the only one who really wanted to kill anybody.
1: Yeah. And Jonathan was always good at heart, which, which this episode kind of shows that he wanted to be more than what he was, but he was uh, willing to accept at the end of the day that he wasn't a superhero and that Buffy was the one that should be taking care of things. But uh, I am such a, I am such a sucker for writers completely flipping the book on you. And oh, yeah. they did that with Jonathan they, and I loved it.
0: There's like, there's at least one episode a season of this show where that's done really effectively. Uh, and yeah, and and then Superstar was great.
1: Maybe season three, The Zeppo, season four, Superstar.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I might, might be figuring out the theme the a little script. bit. <laughs> it might be a flip of the script theme. I won't, <laughs> I won't, uh, enter that as my final answer just yet. <laughs> um. Uh, okay, my my number three is a season three episode titled "Restless." Uh, it's the episode after the finale where they beat Adam by uh, summoning the first Slayer and basically uh, using all their parts. So Xander is the heart, Giles is the mind, Willow is the is the hands or the magic or something, something like that. And then and then Buffy is Buffy is the Slayer. Um, So this episode is, they just, they go to rent a movie. They rent Apocalypse Now, I think. Yep. And then they all fall asleep immediately watching it. And through dream sequences, uh, we get insight on each character's sort of underlying anxieties and thoughts, but we also get uh, them all being pursued by the specter of the first Slayer who, who kills each of them in their dreams, until Buffy is able to face that first Slayer down and kind of say, hey, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not just vengeance, I'm, I'm a person who's, you know, I have this power, but I'm also capable of not just being pure, kind of full on pure violence, I guess. Um, but I, I just love this episode. I love the, I love the blown out sequences where the, where the lighting is crazy. I love the way that everything jumps from thought to thought uh you know xander's sequence especially where he goes from being in apocalypse now basically uh to being in his ice cream truck that he's working in to and all of the all of the
1: movement ice cream truck that he's in with tara and willow being the young male idealist version of what lesbian should be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they, kiss
1: <laughs> cause they're, and they're, they're, they've got on bright red lipstick and they're all in like black lingerie. And they're like, we, we date each other, but Xander, you can come back here too. Like they did a really good job of, of like twisting how he's like accepting the fact that his best friend is a lesbian, but also it's kind of his male fantasy that she
0: is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So you've got, I mean, you got all that, you've got, you've got, you know willow's anxieties about where she fits in the in the group now um i guess actually this isn't a season three episode it's a season four episode isn't it but still because i said three before anyhow uh but yeah willow and how willow fits in with tara and with everybody else giles feeling like maybe he isn't needed as much anymore but he also is still embracing his like uh, old older guy like rock and roll vibe thing that's been slowly established.
2: Oh, like, uh, I oh just, my God! Like, the song,
1: the song. Yeah. What's the I song? Oh my God! I got
0: to warn Buffy.
1: I got to warn Buffy.
0: <laughs> every it's so great. Key might be next, <laughs> Xander. <laughs> uh.
1: Oh my God! What is it? I used to be able to sing this. Vander, like,
0: help Willow and try not to bleed on my couch. I just had it steam cleaned. I think is what. Not it
1: is. On couch, I just had it steamed cleaned.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great stuff. Um, um,
1: you're forgetting one of the most my favorite parts of this episode. Is it
0: the Cheese Man?
1: The Cheese Man. The cheese Man. <laughs> okay, I've had this conversation many times with my Buffy friends. What do you think the Cheese Man is about? Um,
0: God, I don't know.
1: I have a theory.
0: Okay, hit me with your theory, because I really, a, I have no idea.
1: I've got a theory. Um, <laughs> I think the cheese stands alone.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. That makes sense. He keeps, he keeps appearing, but appearing specifically to Buffy.
1: But, well, no, I think he, he appears to all of them.
0: He's in right? everybody's And thick. this is right yeah.
1: after they've come together and become a group. And I think there's something about him, like, reminding them that they're these individual people. The cheese, oh, yeah. the cheese stands alone. Like, you I are actually your own person.
0: Plus, I think he has mostly Swiss cheese on the tray. And that has holes in it, which means that you're not complete, even if you're by yourself.
1: <laughs> no, I actually disagree. I think it's a way for them to, to disconnect, since they have just all come together. Yeah. Like and they're all sharing the stream. It's also a way for them to recognize that they are their own people.
0: I, but, I, I like that. I like that theory. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, no, I've thought I've thought about the cheese man way too much in my life.
0: But yeah, that I, I just I love that episode. I mean, there are quite a few in season four that I really enjoyed. Um, but but restless is one where like I'll just go back to watch it to watch it. Uh, I love I love uh, in Buffy's dream. Giles is teaching Spike how to swing on the swings and it's just absurd it's wonderful
1: it's good I love, yeah I'm I'm with you at this one of my 18 so yeah. I, right. I agree
0: <laughs> okay what's your number three
1: all right my next one is from season five it's an episode called fool for love okay and it's an episode where Buffy almost gets killed by a vampire that is completely inconsequential. We don't even know who this guy is. I think he has on like a Brett Michaels outfit.
2: <laughs> nice. and,
1: and she freaks out. She's like, why did this, I, you know, I have for five seasons been kicking ass. Why did this guy almost get me? So she goes to Spike and she says, I know that you've killed two slayers before. Please tell me about that. Yeah, so that I can avoid the, the same situation and then the rest of the episode is flashbacks to Spike's past when he has killed other slayers and one of them was during the Boxer Rebellion and one of them was in New York in the 1970s and you get to see Spike's past for uh, not the first time I think there's other episodes where you get to see him with Drusilla and Angel but this is one of the a few times you get to see it from his point of view. Like it's always yeah. been from Angel's point of view. And this is actually from Spike, Spike's point of view. And it's got this amazing moment at the end where he talks about how death is her gift, which goes to the end of the season. Yeah. That death is the gift that she gives Dawn. Um, and that uh, a slayer gets killed because she's kind of in love with the idea of death. And and he talks about how um, how he recognizes this darkness in her and how this is going to happen. And she says, but it will never happen with you. And she just throws money at him. And, it, and he's so in love with her and he's trying to help her so much. And he's killed yeah. two slayers before and he's now trying to give her that knowledge. And she's just like, yeah, but fuck you, you're a vampire. And like, ah, it, this entire episode kills me because... I love seeing his backstory, but I also love like that terrible moment between the two of them at the end.
0: Well, they and and because that season there, they have the the very complicated arc that after Riley leaves, you know, after Riley's basically like you don't love me and you never loved me, she kind of ends up drifting towards Spike a lot, but not really.
1: Yeah. So they haven't started sleeping together at this yeah. point. Like people are totally shipping a Buffy Spike situation but it hasn't started to happen. Um I mean I I I, I kind of love the Spike situation because Angel had a soul and so he was in love with Buffy. Spike didn't have a soul and was still in love with Buffy.
2: Yeah. Like
1: I don't know. It's I I'm too old to be in love with the whole bad guy trope, but I love the idea that somebody, you know, like that is completely bad and in every way, like can, can still experience those emotions for somebody that they're, that they admire and think is awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, (laughs) it's like my dating life a little bit, probably. (laughs) Spike Spike is
0: sort of, Spike is sort of beyond it. Right. Like, and that's why, that's why he's so interesting. Like angels kind of, Angel's just brooding and sad. Like, he has nothing but Buffy. And then he becomes evil, and then he becomes not evil, and he realizes that he can't have only Buffy because that will cause him to be evil again. Spike is Spike is transcendent in that he, over the course of our experience with him through all the seasons of the show, we realize that, oh, he's he was actually a really sort of dopey poet at one point. And
1: yeah, he was totally a little dork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: people were and people were mean to him, and he and and you can sort of see that like maybe he oversteered back. Like Angel was like a drunken asshole, and he became a vampire, so he just like started eating people while being a drunken yeah. asshole.
1: Like Angel Spike. would have been a doc in Scotland in the 1600s or whenever he was there.
0: Yeah. So like, spikes spikes arc is just more interesting because it, it's more human. Um, yeah. You're also so you're gonna love that one of my honorable mentions, one of my two honorable mentions that I that I listed. Um, well, I mean, actually, six honorable mentions, but it was Lies My Parents Told Me, which is a season seven episode where uh, Robin, the uh, Yes the of Sunnydale High School, we, we start with the flashback of a full battle between Spike and Robin's mom, who turns out to be the slayer in the 70s in New York that Spike killed on
2: and he
1: and st- he stole her jacket. Yeah. His signature jacket is from Robin's mom.
0: Yeah, and so this episode is all about reconciling that whole thing yet again, this, this this conversation about what the evil is and, and you know, who's who's ready to kill who, and how, I mean, it's, that episode- yeah, Robin really spends a
1: lot of time trying to figure out how much he's gonna go after Spike.
0: Yeah, and then Giles lets Robin go after Spike. Yep. And Buffy's upset because Buffy and Spike are, are not involved, but they're more or less, good friends at this point or at least
2: well,
1: i mean I think, I think even like we talked about even back in season five she she figured out he was someone she could trust and yeah. she doesn't understand why the people that she trusts don't trust him also
0: yeah yeah uh so yeah lies my parents told me is a is a good one and and as is fool for love good good choice
1: uh, and then i i think the other thing i liked about fool for love watching it live is that it was actually a crossover episode with an angel episode.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, because there was an episode with, uh, with Darla in it in, on Angel as well, because Darla was back.
1: I- yeah, so, so in Angel season, I don't know what that would have been, two at that point, and it was Buffy season five, um, they were actually allowed to do crossover episodes again, which they weren't for a while before they were on the same network again. And this was one of the first crossover episodes, and we get to see the Boxer Rebellion, from yeah. Angel's point of view. And if I remember correctly, Angel aired first. So we saw the Boxer Rebellion from Angel's point of view. And, and then you saw um, Spike and, doing it. And then, yeah, when when Buffy aired, we got to see the Boxer Rebellion from Spike's point of view. And they weren't in the same room at the same time. So that's another thing that I'm a complete sucker for, is same situation, difference point of view. Yeah. I love, I love that shit. So
0: Put Rashomon on this. <sighs>
1: Yes, it was. It was. It was very Rashomon, especially since it was the Boxer Rebellion.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, okay. So, well. Okay. So, my number two is the Zeppo. We already talked about that, so we don't need to talk about that again. So, instead, I will bring up one of my other honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, which is bothered, bewitched, and bewildered. Another Xander episode. Um, Xander. Oh, I don't uh,
1: have that on my list. That's a good one, but I don't have it on. I, I don't have it. Tell us about it.
0: So it's, so it's Valentine's day and Xander and Cordelia have been dating on DL and Cordelia's popular and her friends keep kind of ragging on her for even hanging out with Xander. So she breaks up with him on Valentine's day and he decides to go to Amy, the witch, and have her cast a love spell on Cordelia because he wants to get Cordelia to love him so he can break up with her. So he can break her heart. Um. Now, the spell backfires in traditional uh, <laughs> Buffy fashion. And every single woman in Sunnydale has a crush on Xander for this episode. Except for Cordelia.
1: Except Cordelia. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the best part. So you have
0: just a very crazy episode where Buffy's, like, begging him to undress her. And Willow's trying to, like, Willow's... And Buffy's bed. mom and Buffy's mom is all over him, and Drusilla's is all over him, and uh, yeah, not, not one person isn't all over him except for Cordelia, and so you get this kind of, like, uh, he's sort of reckoning with, wait a second, maybe I should really think about what I'm doing before I do it, uh, which I thought was a, a cool lesson, um, but it's also, like, a moment that galvanizes his relationship with Cordelia because they, it, in, in,
1: in a, a way it was kind of beautiful. Cause it brought them together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They realized that everything was good. I mean, it, it really screwed up his relationship with Willow and it was a very, it was a, it was a big bummer on that regard.
1: I love, I love that you brought up this episode though, because I think this is one of those things that like, uh, 10 years ago was not an issue mm-hmm. that today would be very problematic.
0: Oh, yeah, no, if you did this episode now, it would be like, "Wow, that's the most grossly misogynistic thing ever that I would, yeah, that but would happen. but
1: I don't know how to describe to people that weren't watching this when it came out that i mean it was it was just kind of like a funny thing that like xander's like oh i'm gonna I'm gonna make Cordelia fall in love with me, and I mean, you knew that that was like kind of gross, but it wasn't like terrible, and then it turns into this spell and and I think this really is, this is one of the things the that people point end. to when they say that Xander is a problematic character but I, I I I'm with you. I love I love this episode because it brought him and Cordelia together in a way that nothing else probably could have in, oh, yeah. in the storyline.
0: Yeah, and it and it's just, you know, I mean there's nothing better. I and I, and honestly like for all, for all of the for all of the darkness of the episode in in its context the moment when giles basically is just like get out of my sight you're terrible you know that's that's as heavy a scolding as as any character could get on this show at that time where someone would just be like no you you are like i'm not even willing to talk to you you're you're trash and that's what and that's what giles basically says to xander about the whole fallout of the thing this and this is primarily because Jenny Callender is also like, oh, I, I, hey, don't you want to come hang out with me? Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's just, it, it's just an episode that stuck with me. Plus, there's the the average white band song, "Got the Love," that plays while Xander walks down the hallway, and everybody, um, where where you really get to see a bunch of extras who are like, everybody who's an extra at this high school is 30 or older, and they're all like giving him really melodramatic like you know, goo goo gaga eyes. And it's, it's funny. It's (laughs) great.
1: Um, and it's very reminiscent of the episode that apparently I don't have written down, even though I'm surprised that I don't, um, where, um, where Kendra shows up. Kendra.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is like, wait, yeah, Uh, that it's not, that's no, that's not Inca mummy girl. It's later than that. No,
1: it's the other. It's the Vampire Slayer before Faith. Fuck, what's her name? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Kendra's. Kendra's Kendra. the Vampire Slayer before Kendra, Faith. Absolutely. The
1: Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what's her face that never ages, and she's doing like a weird Jamaican Irish accent, and all the bounty hunters are coming after Scooby Gang and a, um, Charisma Carpenter. <laughs> Cordelia, thank you. (laughs) Cordelia and Xander get trapped in the basement together. Like it's kind of reminiscent of that
0: moment. Oh yeah, when all the when the when the grub man,
2: the man, guy that's made made up of of maggots comes after them. Mm -hmm. But
1: I mean that that was kind of always part of what their relationship was about was uh, getting stuck together in terrible situations where they were the only two that knew what was going on. So like
0: speed every single time in the movie Speed. (laughs)
1: Yeah, they were they were a speed. Yeah. <laughs> and so this was creating speed for them again. <laughs> that that's that it's definitely a good one though. Uh I think it's a, a controversial opinion, but I like it.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't I don't think it's a perfect episode and I mean obviously like this show hasn't aged well as not aged perfectly across the board, but I mean it's it's it it's just an episode that's You know, if you if you take it from the place of if you were sixteen and heartbroken and magic existed, what might you have done? And then it's like, well, yeah, some people might have made shitty decisions. That doesn't mean it's it's across the board bad. It just means that yeah, he shouldn't have done that. But he also gets taken task pretty thoroughly.
2: Um, Let me tell you the
1: the thing about this episode that I don't like. Yeah, is that when he uh, sees Buffy. She's wearing like this weird lingerie set that like only like a forty year old woman would have.
0: She yeah, she's wearing like a black satin trench coat <laughs> that's very short.
1: Yeah, I'm always like, why does Buffy have that? That's no, the I know. problem. Why does she have place. it,
0: and why is it at the library?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm always like, problem? Buffy, why? Where have you been shopping? What are you saving that for? <laughs>
0: No, I mean I th- there there are a lot of real serious problems with it. Um, because a That's lot of the guess. things happen That's my biggest one though
1: is Buffy's outfit. The Buffy's yeah. outfit has always bothered me. Yes, also why does she have it at the library? Yeah,
0: why why is this why is this wardrobe at the school at all? <laughs> there are yeah, there are definitely problems. I mean this is this is not this is not a perfect thing. But it's just yeah. a, you know I, I just liked it because it was a, it was sort of a, it was a good lesson and it was sort of like, hey, I mean, I like, be careful what you wish for episodes of any show. Yeah. Because it's usually, because that's usually the, the good lesson is everybody needs to be checked once in a while and go away. All the things that I keep thinking I want, I don't actually want those. Yeah. Because it's going to be way more to, you know, it felt like a Twilight Zone episode to me in a lot of ways too. Um, but what's, what's your number two, Shannon?
1: All right. Uh, my next one is from season seven. Mm-hmm. It's an episode called Selfless. Okay. It is a episode where a post Xander Anya this is trying. Is to,
0: the wedding's been called off.
1: The wedding has been called off. She's heartbroken. She's trying to figure out her way in the world. She gets back together with the demon that made her a a vengeance demon in the first place, and his oh, first assignment is that she has to kill everybody in a frat house. Okay. And she does it. And it's
2: yeah.
1: it's sad and it's depressing. But while she's doing it, we also see her past. Mm-hmm. So we get to see where Anya came from, how she became a vengeance demon, the troll that she was uh, married to. We get to see why she's scared of rabbits. Um, and at the end of the day, Buffy recognizes that Anya is in a terrible place, and even though she's done this terrible thing, uh, she kind of gives her a pass. Yeah. And it's, again, another really kind of sad episode, but I uh, kind of love that we get to see where Anya comes from.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, so I you,
1: remember, can, you can take, probably take a guess at my theme right now. I, mean, I, I,
0: I think I got it. Yeah, it's all, all <laughs> uh, episodes centering on characters who aren't Buffy, which I love. Um, yeah, and I and I and I remember that episode pretty well. Like I, I remember because uh, the 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 guy who was Parker Lewis's sidekick and he was also yes. like an orgy yeah. on ER was the troll. Coob. Yeah, Coob. That's right. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, this is this is another good episode. And I I, and I actually, you know, when you mentioned the whole killing all the guys in the frat house, like I, I had a moment where my heart dropped a little bit because I remember the the moment where I was like, Oh, yeah, that is when (laughs) like, when you wouldn't think that she would do it, but she actually does. And then they give you that like quick pan through the house of everybody's just like have their hearts ripped out.
1: Yeah, and she did She did it. And I love Joss Whedon, and I love the writers of Buffy for the fact that they went there. Yeah. They were yeah. like, this is what she was before. Xander destroyed her. This is what she went back to. She regrets it, but she did do it. And I, I think that, that was really brave. And, I mean, brave is a weird word. It, not brave, because they're not, like, fighting COVID. <laughs> but, but I, mean, I mean, it was it was it was a really interesting choice that they took this character that everybody really liked that had made so much progress and they kind of like brought her back and Mm. they like got rid of all the progress she had made but at the same time she had made all this progress so she knew what she did was bad and i mean sorry magical metaphor again that's something real like we all fuck up like it was it was her fuck up and and her fuck up was bad because it killed a lot of people but she was able to get past it and like, we all fuck up and maybe that, maybe we're all able to get past it in a way.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I, it, you know, your point's really well taken cause it's one of the things that's really admirable about the show. And if you, if, if you're listening and you've never watched it um, you know, if, if you're not completely averse to it, a reason to watch is because it, it, it really does take chances. It does stuff, you know, a lot of shows just go, Hey, every week, a problem's resolved in a single arc and we reset and there's and nothing changes. And this show really challenges what each character is and who they are and who they're going to be pretty constantly. Oh yeah. Um, to to varying to varying effect and varying success, but still. I mean, you know, you look at the end of season season 6 and the way Willow becomes evil um and and you know, I I the the sort of uh completely like flipping uh Warren inside out with magic is is oh. just burned into my brain still and i haven't I haven't watched that episode again I've only seen it the time I saw it in probably two thousand two two thousand three but but it's in there
2: there's uh, a
1: there's a moment I didn't include it in my list of favorite episodes, but there's a moment I love in lie to me where Buffy is talking to Giles and she's like you know, lie to me. And he says, Oh yeah, you can always tell the good guys cause they were white and you can always tell the bad guys cause they were black and the good guys will always win. I mean, I don't know the exact quote, but yeah, that's the gist of it. And you, and you know that that's a lie because in the Buffy universe, they've done such a good job that the good guys are flawed and the bad guys are sometimes good. And sometimes the bad guys completely flip and become good. And sometimes the good guys completely flip and go bad. And and humanity is flawed, and I, yep. I love that they do that with the characters.
0: Yeah, it's really, it's, it's wonderful that they do that. Um, my number one.
1: Ooh, I'm excited.
0: Is an episode called I Only Have Eyes for You.
1: Oh, that is such a good one! It's not on my list, but I love that one. It was almost on my list.
0: And and the reason this episode is is up there is so this is in season two, post Angel turning evil, and there are poltergeists in Sunnydale High School that are reenacting uh, their romantic uh, Romeo and Juliet esque, not really Romeo and Juliet, but um, tragedy, a romantic tragedy in the high school, and these ghosts keep. Uh, what's the thing? What is it when somebody's pos- possessed? They keep possessing.
1: <laughs> what is it when somebody possesses? Oh, it's what is it when somebody possesses somebody. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, yeah they keep
1: possessing people in the high school and reliving this tragedy over and over again.
0: Yeah, so you keep seeing this tragedy in parts where uh, you know where uh, a janitor shoots a teacher on accident ax- because the janitor's possessed by uh, this teenage boy who's like hey you know you this isn't fake you have to love me uh it's a teacher student romance um and these ghosts are happening and and what's cool is that this particular sort of haunting thing overtakes the entire storyline because we've been pretty much building up to buffy and angel fighting each other because she's decided like i gotta kill angel and this episode puts them in the position where Buffy be, is, is possessed by the male ghost and Angel is possessed by the female ghost. So we get a very complicated and touching sort of energy with them exercising their own relationship demons in a way just by being possessed by them. Uh, and, and, it, and it's always stuck with me. Um, the, the music, the, they use the song, I Only Have Eyes For You. The, the song is played like three or four times in the episode. It's great. I mean, there's a lot of good use of silence and, and record needles scratching and and just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. There's, uh, I think there's a sequence where Xander opens his locker and the poltergeist like grabs him by the shirt and like slams him in the locker a few times. Everybody's <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. But it ultimately just boils down to Buffy and Angel needing to have a conversation through ghosts with each other that they couldn't have otherwise. No, you're they would have killed each other.
1: You're so dead on because for for anyone that hasn't watched Buffy, and why are you listening to this if you haven't? But right, <laughs> they they were this this couple that was kind of meant to be, and they um, had sex for Buffy. It was the first time. And Angel's curse was that the first time he experienced true happiness, um, he would turn back into his evil self. So, and it's one of one of my top episodes is the one where Buffy wakes up to realize that the guy that she's been in love with this whole time is not the same guy now that she slept with him because that is is
0: a big metaphor, such a
1: metaphor,
0: (laughs) and so huge.
1: I think I've actually been on MTV saying. What a metaphor, and felt really uh, awkward about it. Um, and but from the moment he turns evil, they don't ever have any direct interaction. So this is this couple that for two seasons has been falling in love, and they finally reach the pinnacle of that, and he becomes a completely different person, and they don't have any interaction until this episode.
2: Yeah,
1: and this episode because they're possessed by ghosts that are in love now they're in love again and oh you're right it is yeah. it is heartbreaking to watch them act yeah. out the scene of the ghosts that is so close to their own scene because one of the ghosts is trying to break it off with the other ghost because it's going to be too painful for them to be together
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and it's, it's almost like if they let that happen that might be better for both of them but yeah. instead they have to like live this life over where one of them kills the other one
0: yeah and, and luckily in the episode, because angel is a vampire and can take a bullet and still survive, the ghosts are able to deal with their issue: because
1: Yes, because the original situation was that one of them shot the other, and that was the end of the conversation. but because Angel can survive, they get to continue the conversation and resolve it.
0: <laughs> yeah, they get he, finally, uh, angel as the uh, teacher the female teacher ghost is able to forgive the male boy uh, ghost for killing her because Angel was able to survive. It's, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's just such a, it's a heavy episode, but it's wonderful. And I just, I loved it uh, top to bottom just because it, it really, I don't know. It, it, it finally brings all those things to bear because there's so much buildup, like you said, at the end of that, in, in that session, uh, that section of the season where, you know, Angel turns, and then suddenly it's just Angel lurking, Angel plotting. You've got Passion, which is an episode where Angel is just like he's sneaking in and drawing Buffy while she's asleep, but he's not talking to her. Yeah. And they never, and like you said, they never see each other. And this is yeah, like, we don't oh,
1: have any interaction until this episode? I don't think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that's my that's my number one.
1: And the other the other thing I like about this episode is that the um. The ghost of the teacher that you get to actually see is an actress who I just looked her up. That's the only reason I know it. Her name is Meredith Salinger, no relation. Um, But if you're, if you're anybody from Gen X, you recognize her as being this, this actress that was kind of in all these movies in the eighties about growing up. Like she was in um, a ton of movies with River Phoenix Um, she was, I'm trying to look at her IMDb really quickly. And of course I can't find it because I've had too much tequila. But (laughs) when I, when I saw this actress, I have to say that part of me was like, this is an actress that I've kind of inspired to be my entire life. Like she's, she was like just old enough, just older enough than the Buffy crowd that she would, she would be like the cool older sister. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So and so I mean that's the thing. She tracks
0: she tracks as like a younger teacher who's also she like feels older. You know what I mean?
1: No, she she's like the cool older sister, but if you if you had grown up with her, you'd be like, no, she is the cool older sister because I've seen her in every movie I've ever like thought affected me as a teenager. Like she's been in it at one point or another. So, I mean, just casting-wise, it was also really good.
0: Wonderful. What, what's your number one, Shannon?
1: Oh, th- well, stop saying it's my number one. It's well, what's your, quarter? One? what's your next one? My next one <laughs> is season seven. Uh, based on the theme that you've probably guessed at this point, it's a episode called Storyteller. Okay. Um, at this point in the show, one of the trio, Andrew, has basically been kidnapped by the Slayers um, to uh, make sure that he doesn't cause them any more damage and so that they can get as much information from him as they can. But he's also kind of become a loved sidekick. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. God, and I really story, didn't like him ever, but I... Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. I, love, I love Andrew. I, I loved Andrew.
0: This and is a reason why I need to go back and rewatch five through seven, because just, I, I, have, I have these sort of reactive uh, yeah. dislikes, but I, but I also, could be, fucking- I'm just looking at the synopsis for this. I'm like, yeah, I remember liking this episode, so why would I not like this character?
1: No, I, I, I loved Andrew when this episode came out, and he was, I mean, yeah, he was like this bad guy that had kind of flipped. Um, And he had kind of become enamored with the Scooby gang at this point, which was made up of different people than the original Scooby gang. But he was actually filming a documentary and you get to see how he sees them. Mm -hmm. And there's all these great moments where like Buffy is pouring cereal, but there's like wind going through her hair while she does it. Uh, because he sees everyone he's around in the in the Scooby Gang as kind of this soap opera situation. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's trying. He's he's trying to um, figure out his place in this world and why they've kept him around. And then the end of the episode, you find out that one of the reasons they've kept him around, and one of the reasons that he's he's still valuable to them, is because he knows how they killed Jonathan to get the first enough blood to come to fruition. Yeah. So it's, and it's also kind of him dealing with that. So he's he's bef- he's always been this character that kind of takes everything as a joke and sees everything around him as a soap opera. And at the end of the episode, he's faced with this like realization that he did something really bad that's causing pain and hurt to all these people that he's actually kind of decided he's enamored with. And I, I think that that was a really well-written episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, any time when, when you take someone who's sort of flatly, I mean, because was kind of flat comic relief villain in season six.
1: I mean, when they talked about the trio, it's like, Warren built a robot girl, Jonathan did Superstar. Andrew was the brother of a guy. The like, brother Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't even actually a bad guy. Like <laughs> they just kind of tacked him on, and so yeah, he's part of this trio. Um, but they figured out that he was kind of lovable enough to continue, but also even though he's lovable, that doesn't mean he's a good guy. And this is the episode where we we remember that he's a bad guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and that's the thing is that that this show does such a good job of keeping the responsibility and culpability on people somehow, but not in the most obvious way. Like this ends with you remembering like, Hey, you really, you've been endeared to Andrew for a couple of episodes because he's comic relief and he's just tied up. And now you're remembering, wait, he's, he's a villain. He He
2: actually murdered murdered
1: a human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He murdered Jonathan brutally. Like, like hit him with a shovel and stabbed him to death and shit while they were doing a fake errand. I mean, a bunch of, uh, it's crazy. Um, yeah.
1: You're right. No, you're exactly right though, is that they introduce these characters and they, they make you, uh, love them for a couple episodes cause they're funny and they're cute. And then it's like, Oh, Hey, remember this guy? Yeah, he fucking sucks.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's <laughs> the I mean,
1: episode. And they spent like three fourths of the episode being like, oh, isn't it adorable that Andrew is so enamored with all, the entire Scooby Gang? And then the last fourth of the episode is, yeah, let's remember he's part of the reason this entire season is happening. Yeah, he's, he's
0: yeah. bringing a curse on the house that is the Scooby Gang. He's yeah. the problem. Um, yeah, oh man. Yeah, I love I love your theme that that you picked all episodes that are focused on on secondary characters.
1: Yeah, there, uh, yeah you got it. Yeah, so all I mean, all of my episodes were yeah were things that are not from the viewpoint of Buffy. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, and that's and that's the beauty is this this show really did do everything it could do. I think that's what's great is that it really pushed every boundary. It's not just you know you're not just watching Sarah Michelle Gellar do you know, be Buffy every episode and that's your only thing.
1: Well, so my other theme that I almost went with were, was episodes where the world gets turned upside down. Hmm. And Tabula Rosa would have been one of those. Yeah. Also, the <laughs> yeah. wish where Cordelia wishes that there had never been a slayer.
0: Yep, yep, the wish, yeah.
1: Um, something blue where Willow starts to wish that things are different.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Giles so goes
1: about, blind. Yeah, so Giles goes blind, Buffy and Spike fall in love way before they actually fall in love. Um, that was a great episode. Yeah, so I had a, I had a list of like five other episodes where the world gets turned upside down. I, I had some other themes, but I liked, I liked the ones where you're not focused on Buffy because I do think that the writers did a really good job of... Um, and they did that more in the... In the later episodes of addressing what was going on from other characters' points of view. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Um I have a I have a, I have a few more of my honorable mentions to share. Yeah,
1: let's hear them. Let's hear them. Um,
0: so so one of my remaining in the in the top seven sort of list was I Was Made to Love You, which is the episode featuring the robot that Warren built. Uh, primarily because that episode is so sad at the end. And it's such an earned sadness and there, there's, there's nothing more torturous than seeing someone portray someone whose only purpose is to be with someone and then to be continually rejected by that person. And then told finally, like, no, you have no purpose now. Uh, so, so, you know, seeing that robot, sitting in the swing set with Buffy at the end of that episode is probably, it is it burned into my brain too.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, You're right. It's it so
0: sad. And because I, April I think is the robot's name. Um, she's so, it's such a comic relief thing for the first half of the episode. And for the second half, you really start to go, Oh God, she's like this dedicate, this level of dedication is actually really endearing. And it's tragic that someone would, just cast this level of dedication away.
1: You know uh, that role was originally supposed to be played by Britney Spears?
2: No way. Oh yeah. my God. I'm glad. Yeah, I don't, I'm glad I don't know was, what it changed. But, I'm glad she did,
0: yeah. I'm glad she did in the show, but I, wow, that would have been something. Um, but yeah, so I had that one and then, you know, I've got some classics. Let's Hush, hear it. Hush is a classic.
1: Hush. I mean, yeah. If we if we had both picked our top five, like straight up, yeah, not trying five to not pick the same ones as the other ones. Hush. It's got to be number one. It's got to be top three for everyone that's ever watched Buffy. It's just
0: opinion. good TV. It's just good TV. You you take it and say, hey, no one can talk for for forty of the fifty minutes of this episode. 40?
1: For- of the 50 minutes of the episode, not only can no one talk, but you're following around the fucking creepiest bad guys ever.
0: Yeah. Silent, uh, uh, just sharp-toothed, horrible mannequin men. Um, So yeah, Hush is there. Uh, The body...
1: What's that actor's name from Hush? Because he's been in, like, oh. a million things, and I love him to pieces. He's been in Hellboy. He's been in Pan's Labyrinth. He's been in um, Shape of Water. Um, what's his name? I'm looking it up.
0: I'm looking, too.
1: <laughs> this, this guy is freaking amazing. Um,
0: Doug Jones?
1: Jones. Doug Jones yeah. is... If you don't know who Doug Jones is, this is an actor that has never shown his actual face on screen, but he is every creepy character you've you've ever had a nightmare about. And he's the head gentleman in Hush. Like I said, he's Pan's Labyrinth. He's Hellboy. He's Shape of Water. He's, he, oh, I love this guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean the 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 just the the mime performances and the physical work that everybody does in that episode is is remarkable.
1: Uh, I, don't, I don't know how. Yeah, well, and this guy, I was gonna say, I don't know how tall he is. I feel like he's like six five, and he weighs like a hundred pounds. So he's like constantly like contorting himself into these weird pretzel shapes.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He's well. It it says on his on his Wikipedia, he's six four, and he's a contortionist.
1: Oh really? Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. But yeah, I, lo- I love the fact that what what is the terror that you have to deal with when you can't you can't yell for help. Yeah, these kids are in a dorm, and they can't they can't like you have
0: no voice. You just you don't have, no have a voice.
1: You can't get the people next to you to come help you because they can't hear you. No, and no. I I remember it was also um, that was also the first Tara Willow moment
0: yes it was that's where they they bonded and, and held hands and made a vending machine fly across the room
2: i think yeah
1: because tara was um being trust being uh chased by the gentleman if i remember correctly and she was banging on doors and nobody would open because they were all so scared and willow was the only one that opened and they ended up fighting the gentleman together in this like we're totally gonna fuck afterwards way yeah <laughs> and if i remember correctly everybody yelled at joss whedon afterwards and was like why did you not have them kiss then because it was like that would have been the moment
0: Hmm. but it almost would have been too much the moment i don't yeah. know yeah uh, yeah um so yeah uh hush is big the other the other big one for me is the body which is
1: number one number number one hands yeah. down one of the best uh, episodes in television ever.
0: Because the the moment when so one, the fact that there's no diegetic music in the whole episode. So it's it's silent except for people speaking and or breathing.
1: Hush is and, silent because people are not talking, but there's still ambient noise. Mm-hmm. The body doesn't even have ambient noise
0: yeah you have you have the alien silence that comes with grieving so incredibly because Buffy's mom is dead and uh and I mean i i I remember i I feel like the the moment when Willow and Xander are getting ready for the funeral and they're trying to prepare and Xander punches the wall and I or maybe it's just Anya and Xander, but in any case the the energy there was so pure and real and it reminded me of any time I had been. To or preparing for a funeral for someone, where it was just like, "Yeah, I don't even, I don't even know how to process what's going on. This doesn't make any sense. I'm angry and I'm sad, and the best thing I can do is to just thrash at the world. And that's and that's what it is."
1: Anya's reaction. I'm not even sure I can talk about it without crying, because she's newly human. She's oh, been human. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, because she says she doesn't understand. Oh my and, god! And and yeah.
1: she she thinks she's the only one, and and she's asking questions, and everyone tells her to stop, and and she doesn't understand that the questions she's asking are the same ones they all have. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm gonna start crying just even talking about it, and and she just starts yelling that she doesn't understand, and it is one of the most human moments I've ever seen depicted on TV.
2: Yeah.
0: There's a, there's a really nice like Reddit chain about this where I'm, I'm looking at screen caps with the quote overlaid it. And yeah, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And everyone's like, Anya, you're being Anya. You're asking questions. They're inappropriate. And she's like, no, I don't get it.
0: I don't understand how this happens. I mean, I knew her and then she's, and then And then there's just a body, and I don't understand why she's she just can't get up, get back in it, and not be dead anymore. It's stupid and mortal and stupid, and it, yeah, I mean that's the thing is it is it's it's that it's the moment when in this show where this show that deals with death so constantly finally deals with death in a really whole hog like <laughs>
1: It's, it's the first death that's not supernatural, honestly. Yeah,
0: yeah because she, it's just a brain aneurysm. And that's the other thing that's so tragic is because Joy, like, she, she has brain surgery like four episodes prior, right? Where they're, they're all worried and everything and you think like, okay, cool. And then boom, this happens. And I, yeah, I mean, the, the, way, the, the way the sound design was done on the episode and everything else, it was, it was just
2: brilliant.
1: Sound sound design, hands down. I mean, I would I would argue this is this is one of the best episodes on TV ever. They do yeah. They do such a good job making the viewer involved in the morning process. Ugh, I don't. Ugh, I can't even talk about it.
2: Yeah.
0: No. I mean, I. I yeah, that's. I mean, that's. This is probably this is probably a good spot. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, like, I would, I think, I think I would give Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a show, I would give it a nine out of 10, all in all.
1: Oh, fuck. I gave it 10 out of 10.
0: 10 out of 10. All right.
2: Great.
1: I, um, I love, I love the show. I would say 80% of the episodes are amazing, 20% are stupid.
2: Yeah. But that's still, yeah, no, that's still for a 10 sure. for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's totally true. Um, So, yeah, uh, this has been really great, Shannon. I'm glad we got to do this. Um, We should – we'll figure out next episode, next week's episode, we'll figure something out. Uh, uh, Is there anything you'd like to plug this week?
1: Um, Well, at this point, I think I should plug Go Watch Buffy if you haven't done it yet.
0: Yeah, you got all the time in the world. There's only seven seasons of it. You could get through that in, like, four four quarantine days pretty easily.
1: Um, We didn't talk about – uh, once more with feeling
0: oh yeah yeah okay that's what, yeah.
1: Pl- that's what i'm gonna plug uh in season six joss whedon decided he wanted to do a musical episode like every tv show does now but he was one of the first mm-hmm. and a uh, demon comes to sunnydale and makes everybody sing the things that they are worried about and it's called once more with feeling and it is i think that if other tv shows weren't trying to all jump on this musical bandwagon, this would stand out as a super awesome, unique hour of television. But because like Scrubs did it and Glee did it and blah blah blah. everybody has a musical episode. Oh
0: yeah. Glee has all all musical episodes. But
1: (laughs) but, I mean, yeah, like Scrubs did it. I think uh God, I'm i I'd be surprised if Law and Order didn't do it at one point or another.
0: Oh man, um, I I want that to
1: happen. (laughs) But the Buffy episode that did it kind of makes sense because they bring in this demon that makes it feasible and um and I hate it but I love it at the same time so I'm gonna plug Buffy but I'm also gonna plug Buffy season six once more with feeling
0: yeah very yeah awesome I mean I will I will uh I will second the plug of Buffy because I think it's uh it's just a good show and I know that they've been talking about remaking it I think there's a reboot conversation. There was one going on prior to everything that's going on now. Yeah. So who knows?
1: I mean I get um, I get that. I get that there's a there's a generation that needs to get stuff out of it that wasn't there the first time.
0: Yeah. Oh you could you could contemporize this and and, and yeah. tell some different interesting stories.
1: I won't I, I, I won't I, watch it because I got the shit I needed to get out of it but I I get that you could take the story and and make it more timely for people now and I think that's actually a really good thing.
0: Oh sure well I, and I, and I think that's part of the thing right is that um the show as it was was flawed really through seasons 1 through 3. Season 4 it starts getting more sort of advanced and progressive and different and it and it went to interesting places but it didn't go everywhere because the world's constantly changing so yeah we can we can have a new version and i and i will probably check it out in some way but it's not it's not going to mean the same thing it meant to me it can't well,
1: there's i mean there's a lot of hindsight there's a lot of stuff that we didn't pay attention to then that we oh, pay yeah. attention to yeah. now
0: yeah Yeah. We, we, we know, we know more. We have, we have a a different awareness of, of, of reality. Um, But yeah, I would, I would definitely plug this show. It's on Netflix. You've got all the time in the world. You might as well watch it, watch the hell out of it. It is enjoyable. And, and if you really, if you just invest the time, the, the acting and the cast of characters, like, it's a good group of people. Like you really can I, can I want n- to be with some you?
1: of the I know we're we're on fucking two hours now, but I'm just oh, gonna read go. some of the ones that I uh wrote down that I didn't get to talk about.
2: Yeah, the yeah. pilot.
1: The pilot is amazing.
0: Pilot is good.
1: Watch the pilot. pilot mm-hmm. uh, there's an episode called The Pack where Xander becomes a hyena. It's hilarious.
0: He eats a pig, Trichinosis worries aside.
1: Um, there's an episode called School Hard which is the first appearance of Spike and I love him so you gotta watch that
0: it's a great moment for Buffy and her mom too
1: oh they get to bond it's adorable Uh, season two the Halloween episode they all turn into their costumes yeah it's awesome and there's this whole we didn't even get to talk about it but all these moments between Willow and Oz Mm mm-hmm um Willow is this like super dorky computer chick. Oz is like this cool I have a band guy. But they spend like six episodes building up the fact that they're going to meet and Halloween is one of those episodes and it's great. Um innocence is where Buffy sleeps with Angel and he loses his soul and right after that is becoming where um oh no at the end of that season is becoming where he gets his soul back.
0: That's right. Yep.
1: Um, The Wish is where Cordelia wishes that there had never been a slayer and you get to see what Sunnydale would be like without Buffy.
0: And it's a dark, it's a dark reality. It's, it's a dark episode. Yeah. Um uh,
1: I'm trying to talk about ones that we haven't talked about again. Uh the only other one I'm gonna mention is an episode called Normal Again.
2: Yeah. Where
1: Buffy um gets stabbed by a demon and it makes her wake up in a reality where she thinks that she's in an insane asylum with her parents who have been telling her that she's been um, hallucinating that she's a yeah, slave for the she's last been one. In,
0: a, in a dissociative fugue right yeah. yeah god that's a good one that's a really uh, good one.
1: that's a fucking tough one cuz even at the end of the episode you don't know what you believe
0: well that's i think that's the beauty of it right is you and that's that's the middle of the show where you're like oh it's possible that all of this is still made up like this whole show going forward could be that she's she's just you know
1: yeah buffy is just a normal girl girl that that has some mental problems where she thinks that she's this slayer and she's created this whole world around her and she can choose to come out of that and be with her parents that she loves. At this point, her mom is dead and her dad is just fucking out of the picture. Um, or she can choose to go back into this world that she's been in for five seasons. And that is a tough episode.
0: Yeah, it is, it is, it is a hard one. I, I really like that one, too. Um,
1: I also added that I love Graduation Day Part 2. That's the oh, one where they sure. fight, fight the mayor. Um, it's just a really good, like, yeah, we're all together episode. And then the uh, last one is an episode called Harsh Light of Day, where you get to see how Harmony, Xander, and Buffy are all mistreated by people that they love.
0: Yes, the the uh, for the graduation day one, because I love Harsh Light of Day. Uh, but the graduation day one, I love the line at the end of that where Oz says, uh, "We survived." <laughs> no, <Yeah>. high school. <laughs> which is always just like yeah that that is kind of that that's the overtone is that yeah high school was hard even if there was a snake demon mayor that ruined your your graduation
1: <laughs> and that's that's kind of what i was talking about about moments like there are so many moments that are just classic and i mean we, yeah we didn't even talk about oz or what his history is if if anybody listening has never listened to buffy before they wouldn't know who he is but Oh fuck. There's I'm, there's I'm like am comfortable beautiful- with us
0: doing another Buffy episode during quarantine. <laughs> let's let's plan on doing that.
1: And, well, okay, we'll see in a couple weeks. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, like if, if you don't know who Oz is, he's just this kind of brilliant archaic poet who always captures everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a delightful taciturn man who also plays bass in a not very good band (laughs) but he knows exactly what people are feeling and why they're feeling them it's great
1: what's the name of his band dingoes ate my baby
0: dingoes ate my baby that's right
1: (laughs) Uh, uh it's hard to talk about buffy because i feel like everyone has seen it and it's so amazing but the idea that people haven't watched it i guess is appealing I think there's, I think there's
0: an audience out there to be tapped and they, and they need to know. And that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this show. And guys, if you, if you like this show, uh, you can rate and review us, uh, on your podcasting app and you can also, uh, tell some people about us. That would be great. Uh, and in addition to that, you can follow us on social media at a vague idea pod. On Twitter, at A Vague Idea Podcast on Instagram, and the A Vague Idea Podcast online group thing on Facebook. Uh, Our theme song was written and performed by Michael J. O'Connor, and he's awesome. So go to Michael J. O'Connor.bandcamp.com. That's O'Connor with all O's, no E's in there. Enjoy it. He's really, really talented. Um, So, yeah, uh, Shannon, anything else you want to plug tonight?
1: I mean, let's be honest. We're all bored. Yeah. So go to the Facebook group and and interact with some Facebook people.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna put up some pom pom to tear online tomorrow.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Get in there. Get um, in there. But but also, um, if you're listening to the show, you probably like TV. So send us a message and tell us what TV you like and yeah. and come be on the show. Yeah. We'll, we'll invite you to be on the show and talk about what TV you like.
0: Yeah, you can zoom in on this show, and we might even want to watch specifically what you want us to watch. That sounds cool.
1: Yeah, tell us what we're missing.
0: Yeah, I'm into it. All right. Well, Shannon, it's been, it's been great talking to you about a show we both like. We'll probably do another Buffy episode sometime in the future.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. This is so long. I did not realize how much I could talk
2: about Buffy. No,
0: I mean, it's, it's near and dear to my heart as well. So I don't, I don't mind at all, and <laughs> hopefully the listeners don't mind. Um, but yeah, uh just, you know, take care of yourself, stay stay healthy, stay clean, stay all those things. Everybody else, keep keep just, you know, do do the things you're supposed to do. Like wash your work, hands.
2: Don't wash touch your
0: face. Yeah. Do the things. Do everything you can do right now. And uh yeah, we will talk to you next time. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Vague ideas written and produced by me, Nate Regolian, Ms. Shannon Page, and sometimes John Paros. Information about topics often come from Wikipedia, so hey, why not donate a bit to that? Sound effects are Creative Commons public domain. If you like this podcast, tell a few people, and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. And if you happen to like reading science fiction, check out the small press I started with my friend Sean Grokowski. You can find Spaceboy books at readspaceboy.com.